Hi, Hi. folks. <laughs> How you doing? We've missed you so much. Even, even though for you it hasn't been long. <laughs> with us for a long time even from the beginning and we cannot say thank you enough and I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately how do you make your own podcast well it's simple I use anchor Anchor anchor.fm which is the website or there is an app or you can go on your computer whatever you want to do it's the easiest way Um, it is run through Spotify so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto and there's lots of different it'll stream to at least I think 10 different platforms or more um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer so no matter where your setup is like you can start creating today today and tell me what your podcast name is because you know I'm gonna listen then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry, I'm working on it. With Anchor, creators can earn money, yes, yes, you heard that right, in a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I liked how our high was perfectly in sync and then Shauna just took it away. Sorry, guys. No, never be sorry. Never be sorry. Oh, man, but it has been... uh, Okay, so it's been about two actual weeks since we've recorded... Mm-hmm. Even though, because we, we batch recorded because <gasps> I had a baby. Nicole had her Babylonian. <laughs> <laughs> we were just discussing that right before we hit record. And so, yes, little Apollo made his appearance Woo. when I was supposed to be induced. He was like, nay, nay, I will come on my own. And he sure the hell did. Yes, he did. He did. I'm officially an auntie daddy. She is. She got to cut the cord. <laughs> did, you guys. She was very... Um, she got to hold my leg. I did. My sweet mom was in the room with me too. Yes. So, because we, that was the restrictions because, you know, COVID's making her way through everything again. But um, they both got to be there and they were both there for my first son's birth. So that was pretty fucking cool. I'm crying now. Okay. It's fine. I was crying right before we started recording because, you know, mom life and just being an emotional human still. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was so It fast. was so fucking amazing. It was guys. amazing and it was fast. Like, it I went really to work was. that morning. And they took me to the hospital at 11, and then... By they, th- as in her co-workers. My co-worker, Yadi, <laughs> she's amazing, and she was we so love cute. You. I love her so much. And, I, yeah, she's listened to us I mean, I've times. never met you, but I love you. It's fine. It's great. She's great. <laughs> I love her. Yeah, got there at 11, and then uh, I was dilated to a 4, and then I called my mom, and she left work, and she's on her way. She was on her way, and I was like, Shauna, I'm dilated to a 4. I'm almost 100% of age, and she's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got there, and then I was at a 5, and then a 6. Or I was like, I was like 3, 4, and then a 5, 6. And then, like, I kid you not, maybe an hour later, I was getting ready to push him out. It was so, so fast. So when was he born, and at what time? Um, August 12th at 3.47 p.m. <laughs> Less than five hours, I was at the hospital, and he... I hit my level when I was, I was like, oh, once I get to a 10, that's when I, I can't handle it. I hit a 10. I had just had four contractions in a row and the nurses came in and they're like, yeah, we're going to have a baby. And I'm like, oh, I was like ready to get an epidural because I didn't have one with my first son. And I was very adamant. I didn't want another one, but 
it went so fast. I pooped a little, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put it all out there. I love you so much for putting it out there. <laughs> and it was just, and then, yeah, I... And then we, we, sorry, she opted to hold on to the placenta for a little while once baby was born. Yeah, but then my placenta yeah. wouldn't come out. Yes. <laughs> it was a weird placenta. It was super weird. Her and it placenta was, like, was an old soul. <laughs> it was. It was old. That's literally, if you can hear, I don't know if you can hear that on there. There's a fly crawling on the day. Flies are awful right now. Yes. But um, yeah, my placenta was starting to get old, which it's I didn't weird. know that was a thing because yeah. I was six days early um, from my 40 week mark. So I'm like, huh. So the nurses were f- above and beyond. And they're like, you say we're amazing. You're the one who just pushed out a baby. But I'm like, I couldn't have done it without you guys. <laughs> so. Yeah, and also, while we're talking about me and... No, hold on. She's a fucking warrior, okay? (laughs) Nicole is a warrior. I cried so much, like, happy tears because my sister's a fucking warrior anyway it was and, and now we have a beautiful baby yes so. and you may he may make a guest appearance here he's he's snoozing in the room right next to us um because his sleep patterns are reversed we had a we've had some nights but overall he's a really easy baby super big cute. brother is so fantastic oh, yes it's just i'm a very lucky mommy and then um but yeah, I was listening to the weekly variety. I've talked about those gals a billion and seven times, and I'm going to talk about them a billion and seven and more. And I didn't know when I was listening at the very end of their podcast, they shouted me out and said, Congratulations on our new baby. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I love you guys so much. Thank you guys. I love you, Kelsey and Tori. You guys are phenomenal. And me and Kelsey are birthday twins, and that's why I love her even more. I mean, I love Tori too. Don't get me wrong. But me and Kelsey, I connected with her real, real fast. But. That was that definitely made my day, <laughs> listening to that. So, but yeah, so that's the good news. <laughs> but you know, we're not here to talk about good things all the time. <laughs> Facts. This is, we talk about bloody and we babble. Oh, before we go into bloody babbles, just shout out to Dawn because we love you and because we can. So, yes. hey Dawn, hey. And she had her surgery. Yes. And everything has gone well. Yes. And she's doing she's doing really really good. And there was only three little things they were concerned about. They were tiny, tiny little things. And she's doing awesome. And we just love her so much. And those concerns are pretty much null and void. So fucking yeah, yeah. So it's just, it was a good, like, I was hoping Apollo would, you know, because I was going to be induced on the the evening of the 12th. Oh. To go into the 13th. Because she wanted a Friday the 13th baby. I, I mean, really come on. did. But he decided <laughs> August 12th was his day. And I have some really special people who were born on that day, too. But then Dawn had her surgery on the 13th because we had talked about it that we weren't sure about the date. But, yeah. So, it's it went good. And we're all just, we're all in an uphill swing right now. Yes. So. Thanks. All right. All so right, now, Babylonians. We love you. And let's get on with this podcast. Yes. So this, I think my friend Rachel was the one who told about this. I don't, if I'm wrong, oh well, if not. <laughs> but it was, um, this is, it's, ooh, it's a rough one. And it's, it's um, a lot of race, racial injustice, I guess. I don't really know how to say it. It's um, back in the 1950s is where we're going to travel back to. Um, but this is the case of Emmett Till. And Emmett Till, he was born, I I had the paper and then I moved it. Okay, let's keep this one beside me. He was, yeah, Emmett Lewis Till, his birthday was July 25th, 1941, so that actually wasn't that long ago. Now, (laughs) granted, we're almost into September now, which is crazy. Um, He was born in Chicago. His mom's name was, I'm going to guess it's Mamie Carthen, and then his dad's name was Lewis Till. Um, His... Uh, Emmett's mom was born in Webb, Mississippi, and um, when she was two years old, her family moved to Argo, Illinois, which is funny because my mom and well, it's not funny. My parents are getting ready to go to Illinois and Wisconsin. Wee. Okay. Um, they were part of the great migration of um, black families out of the South, moving to the North to escape violence because we know the 1950s. That was oh, there's a lot going on. There's just a lot going on. Okay. Um, yeah, let me see here. Lack of opportunity and unequal treatment under the law. Argo received many southern in, or migrants that it was named Little Mississippi. His mother's home was often used by um, by other recent migrants as way as a way station. 
while they were trying to find jobs and housing. So kind of like a, not, I almost said a halfway house. Like a room and board. Like, like a room, and, yeah. yeah, just almost like, just like a shelter somewhere to yeah. stay. Um, yeah, maybe not room and board because they probably didn't charge. They probably just like, you can stay here. Right. Okay. Um, so she had been born in Tallahatchie County. I'm only bringing this up because this talks about the average income per white household in 1949 was $690, which is equivalent to $7,000 as of 2016. For black families, the figure was $462, which is equivalent to $4,700 in 2016. So that's just kind of puts in perspective um, the difference difference of housing costs and everything like that. So, um, yeah, they were, everything was going on with racial segregation and the Jim Crow laws being put into effect and everything. So it was just, there was a whole lot going on. Um, as I'm going to probably say a thousand times, she mainly raised Emmett with her mom. Um, his parents separated in 1942 after she discovered that he had been unfaithful. Mm. Lewis had later abused her, choking her to unconsciousness, unconsciousness, my gosh, to which she responded to by throwing scalding water at him. Ooh. Yeah, girlfriend. Well, I mean, I yeah. mean, I don't blame it's her. Gonna at get all. somebody the fuck off you. Yep. yep. Um, for violating court orders to stay away from Emmett's mom, Lewis Till was forced by a judge in 1943 to choose between jail or enlisting in the U.S. Army. So in 1945, a few weeks before Emmett turned four, um, his father, no. Yeah. Oh, wow. He was executed for the murder of an Italian woman and the rape of two others. Oh, man. Wow. So his dad was just not a good person. She should have thrown that scalding water on his fucking balls. Right. Anyway. Um, At the age of six, Emma ended up contracting polio, which left him with a persistent stutter. Oh, sweet boy. Um, They ended up moving to Detroit, and she ended up... Oh, my gosh. They moved to Detroit, and she met his... um, Met his mom met and married a guy named Pink Bradley. His nickname is Pink. It's in quotes. That's dark. I wonder what if he was um, light skinned or or almost mm. like albino. Maybe. Um, Emmett preferred living in Chicago, so he returned there to live with his grandma. His mom and stepfather <clears throat> rejoined him later that year, and after their marriage ended up dissolving in 1952, um, Pink returned back to Detroit. So she's now been divorced twice. I'm mm. not sure if we have siblings. I don't think so as of right now. Um, they lived together in a busy neighborhood in Chicago, Chicago's <laughs> south side, where they lived near some relatives. Um, she was a civilian clerk for the Air Force for that offered a better salary. Oh, yeah. You go, Mammy. Mamie, sorry. She recalled that Emmett was industrious enough to help with chores at home, although he sometimes got distracted. I mean, what kid doesn't? Correct. His mother remembered that he did not know his own limitations at times. Following the couple's separation, Brad visited... Um, oh, that's Pink. Okay. Okay, so Pink is Brad? Okay. Or his... Pink Bradley is what okay. his name is. Um, you mean the notes? Weep. Sorry, there is a fly once again on the microphone, and I just keep imagining it saying, testing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Pink ended up visiting them and began... Uh, threatening his mom. Mm-hmm. At 11 years old, Emmett, um, with a butcher knife in hand, told Bradley that he would kill him if the man did not leave. Um, usually, however, despite this one incident, Emmett was a pretty happy kid. He and his cousins and friends pulled pranks on each other. Um, it says once um, Emmett even took advantage of an extended car ride when his friend fell asleep and pasted the friend's underwear on his head. <laughs> oh my god, I love that. <laughs> and they also spent their free time and um, they played baseball games. He was a, I don't know what a natty dresser is, and was often the center of attention of his peers. So I wonder if he this, well, I guess he in the picture on that I found, he's in like a, like a fedora type He's hat. like a sharp-dressed he's man. Sh- Every girl crazy about a sharp-dressed man. Sorry. Ooh, there's a siren in the background. Ironic. Um, <clears throat> by 1955, he was stocky and muscular, weighed about 150 pounds, and stood at 5 foot 4. So... I weigh 150 pounds. I'm five foot four. Okay, that's enough. He would have been 14 at this point. <laughs> oh, I'm 4D. <laughs> 4T, not 14. Um, so in 1955, uh, so his mom's uncle, 64 year old Mose, uh, visited 
her okay visited Emmett and his mom in Chicago during the summer and told Emmett stories about living in Mississippi. Emmett wanted to see it for himself, so they ended up planning for a vacation and to take Emmett um, to visit relatives in Nebraska. But after he begged her to let him visit um, his uncle Moe's instead, so she was like, "Okay, you can go." Mm-hmm. Persistence will do that on yeah. your parent. <laughs> <clears throat> So, sorry, kids. I shouldn't. Have, sorry, parents. Excuse me. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, Moe's planned to accompany Emmett with, or no, wait. Yeah, Moe's. Uh, oh, to bring one of the his cousins with, whose name was Wheeler Parker, and another cousin, Curtis Jones, would join them. Um, Moe's was a sharecropper and a part-time minister, and he was often called preacher. He lived in Money, Mississippi, Hello. a small town in the Delta that consisted of three schools, no, three stores, a school, a post office, a cotton gin, and a few hundred residents, and it was just eight miles north of Greenwood, Mississippi. Um, before Emmett left for um, Money, <laughs> his mom cautioned him that Chicago and Mississippi were two different worlds, and he should know how to behave in front of whites in the South, and he assured her he understood um, oh, it just breaks my heart. I mean, I know that's how it was. I'm grateful that's not how it is, but we still have such a long ways to go. Ugh. I know. Exactly. Um, it talks about, like, the statistics on lynchings began to be collected in 1882. Since that time, more than 500 African Americans have been killed by extrajudicial violence in Mississippi alone, more than 3,000 across the South. Most of the incidents took place between 1876 and 1930, though far less common by the mid-1950s. Um, these but less common, not obsolete. Correct. Yeah. These racially motivated murders still occurred. I mean, we just had, God, still just within the last few years, just yeah, I think just, of, um, oh no, now I'm not going to be able to remember his name, but he was leaving a store and he had a mask on and he ended up being, I think, shot and killed. Oh my God, now I can't think of his name. It's going to bother me. Um and I think he was, like, on the spectrum or something like that. Ugh. Yeah. It's and he just... was just like, I didn't do anything. I paid for it. I paid for my stuff. I have the... He had the receipt. Yeah. Listen, I listened to that video, and it was awful. And I'm really... Uh, if... Because this is going to end up being a two-parter. I'll get his name before we post part two. Or if it comes to me throughout the rest of this one. But anyways. Um, so, throughout the South, whites publicly prohibited interracial relationships as a means to maintain white supremacy. Gross. Even the suggestion of sexual contact between black men and white women could would carry severe penalties for black men. <laughs> so the white men were like, no, I've heard. <laughs> God. Only Shauna. Jeez, um, <laughs> Well, I mean... Yeah, and, well, and then it talks about a resurgence of the enforcement, such as of the gr Jim Crow laws, which were evident following World War II, when African American veterans started pressing for equal rights in the South. Um, yeah, so it talks just about more of the racial tensions and everything. Just that going it's still on. very prevalent at yep. that time. Exactly. Ugh. So now we're moving on to when Emmett ends up arriving in Money, Mississippi. It was on August twenty first, nineteen fifty five. Um, so he gets there, and then three days later on the 24th, he and his cousin Curtis Jones skipped church where his great uncle was preaching and joined some local boys as they went to Bryant's Grocery and Meat Market to buy candy. Okay, so, uh, yeah, went to buy candy. The teenagers were children of sharecroppers and had been picking cotton all day. The market mostly served the local sharecropper population and was owned by a white couple, 24-year-old Roy Bryant and his 21-year-old wife, Carolyn. Mm -hmm. Carolyn was alone in front of the store that day. Her sister-in-law was in the rear of the store watching children. Um, she, no. Oh, okay, so his cousin Curtis left Till with the other boys mm -hmm. while um, he played checkers across the street. Okay, so the facts of what took place in the store are still being disputed. According to what Curtis said, his cousin at the time, the boys reported that um, Emmett had a photograph of an integrated class at the school he attended in Chicago and bragged to the boys that the white children in the picture were his friends. He even pointed to a white girl in the picture or referred to a picture of a white girl that had come with his new wallet and said she was his girlfriend and one or more of the local boys dared um, Emmett to speak to Bryant, the shop owner, Carolyn. 
However, um, writing a personal account of the incident in a book released in 2009, Emmett's cousin, Simeon Wright, <clears throat> who was also present, um, disputed Curtis's version of what happened on that day. According to him, Till did not have a photo of a white girl in his wallet, and no one dared him to flirt with Bryant. Speaking in 2015, Wright said, We didn't dare him to go to the store. The white folks said that. They said that he had pictures of his white girlfriend. There were no pictures. They never talked to me. They never interviewed me. The FBI report completed in 2006 notes that Curtis Jones recanted his 1955 statements prior to his death and apologized to Mamie Till T Mobley, which is uh, Curtis's, or Emmett's mom. So, according to some versions, including comments from some of the kids standing outside the store, Emmett may have wolf-whistled at Bryant. So, like that... I was like, is that... Or that, that ow! I'm trying to think of, like, um, ow, cartoons ow. we used to watch. Like, where the ow, 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 ow! Or, oh, you know, okay, like... okay, okay, um, Emmett's cousin, Simeon, who was with him at the store, stated that Till whistled at Brian, saying, I think Emmett wanted to get a laugh out of us, or something, adding, he was always joking around, it was hard to tell when he was serious. Wright stated that following the whistle, he became immediately alarmed, immediately alarmed, saying, "Well, it scared us half to death, and you know what? And you know, we were almost in shock. We couldn't get out of there fast enough because we had never heard of anything like that before. A black boy whistling at a white woman in Mississippi? No." Mm. Wright also stated, "The Ku Klux Klan and Night Riders were part of our daily lives." Gross. Following his disappearance, a newspaper account stated that Emmett sometimes whistled to alleviate his stuttering. His speech was sometimes unclear, and his mother said he had particular, particular difficult with pronouncing B sounds, and he would have whistled to overcome problems asking for bubblegum. Oh. She said that it, to, <clears throat> to help with his articulation, she taught him how to whistle, whistle softly to himself before pronouncing his words. That's so interesting. What a and good so, mama. I know. So, um, so during... Okay, before we get into what ends up happening to him, because this gets into talking about the trial. So let's, I'm going to have to go backwards a little bit. Um, so, so, so there was so, some sort of a whistle and yeah. chaos. So we're going we're gonna to jump to this part. Um, when Roy Bryant, who's Carolyn's husband, was informed of what had happened about this whistling, supposedly, uh -huh. he aggressively questioned several young black men who entered the store that evening. Um, Bryant, with a black man named J.W. Washington, approached a black teenager walking along the road. Bryant ordered Washington to seize the boy, put him in the back of a pickup truck, and took him to be identified by a companion of Carolyn's who had witnessed the episode with Emmett. Friends or parents vouched for the boy in Bryant's store, and Carolyn's companion denied that the boy Bryant and Washington seized was the one who had accosted her. Accosted, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay. Somehow. Ugh, fucking white people. Gross. Right? It's like the what a fuck. Okay. Somehow Bryant learned that the boy in the incident was from Chicago and was staying with Moe's Wright. So um, several witnesses overheard Bryant and his um, half brother John, John William, who they called J.W., discussing um, taking Emmett from his house. So this all happened. Oh, that was the 24th of August. So now we're at the 28th. In the early morning hours of August 28th, 1955, sometime between 2 and 3.30 a.m. Um, so Roy and... I think it was the 21st. Anyway, sorry. He got to he got to town on the 21st. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bryant and then Milam, Milam. Oh, that's JW. Okay. Drove to Moe's Wright's house. Uh, I'm gonna guess it's Millen. Was armed with a pistol and a flashlight. He asked Wright if he had three boys in the house from Chicago. Emmett was sharing a bed with another cousin, and there were eight people in the small two-bedroom cabin. Um, they asked. Oh my God. Okay. Milam asked um, Wright, which is his uncle, to take them to the N-word who did the talking. I can't say that, and I won't. No, um, Till's great aunt offered the men money, but Milam refused as he rushed Emmett to put on his clothes. Mose informed the men that Emmett was from up north and didn't know any better. Um, <clears throat> this guy, J.W. Milam, reportedly then asked, How old are you, preacher? To which he res responded, 64. Milam threatened that if Wright had told anybody, he wouldn't live to see 65. The men marched Emmett out to the truck. Ugh. Wright asked, um, 
or Wright said he heard them ask someone in the car if it was if this was the boy and heard someone say yes. When asked if the voice was of a man or a woman, it seemed like a lighter voice than a man's. In a 1956 interview with Look magazine in which they confessed to the killing, Bryant and Milam said they um, would have brought Emmett to the store in order to have Carolyn identify him, but stated they did not do so because they had ad they said um, Emmett had admitted to being the one who had talked to her. So they ended up tying him up in the back of a green pickup truck, and they drove toward Money, Miss Money Mississippi. So I think they were on, like, the outskirts of it or something like that. Okay. Anyways, according to some witnesses, they took Till back to Bryant's groceries and recruited two black men. The men um, then drove him to a barn in Drew, Mississippi, I'm assuming. Oh, boy. Okay. So things are going to get a little bit graphic here. Nuh-uh. <laughs> I was waiting for them to just fucking go to Disneyland and have a jolly old time. Okay, sorry. This is what I do when I can already feel the tears building up. So. Yeah. Um, they pistol-whipped him on the way and reportedly knocked him unconscious. Willie Reed, who was 18 years old at the time, saw the truck passing by. Re Reed recalled um, seeing two white men in the front seat and two black males in the back. Some have speculated that the two in the back worked for Milam and were forced to help with the beating, although they later denied being present. Um, Willie Reed said that while walking home, he heard the beating and crying from the barn. Jesus. He told a neighbor, and they walked up to the road to a water well near the barn where they were approached by Milam. Milam asked if they had heard anything, and he responded no. Others passed by the shed and heard yelling. A local neighbor also spotted, um, this is a nickname of this guy. His name is Too Tight, Leroy Collins at How the back of the barn. Sorry. 14. Ugh. At the back of the barn, washing blood off the truck and noticed Emmett's boot. Milam explained he had killed a deer and that the boot belonged to him. Um, some have claimed that he that Emmett was shot and tossed over the Black Bayou Bridge in Glendora, Mississippi, near the Tallahatchie River. The group drove back to Roy Bryant's house in Money, where they reportedly burned his clothes. Oh my gosh. In an interview um, with William Bradford Hugh, or Huey, that was published in the Look magazine in 1956. Bryant and Milam said that they intended to beat Till, throw him off an embankment into the river to frighten him. They said that um, they told Huey that they were beating t Till. Um, he called, or while they were beating him, he called them bastard. Bastards declared that he was as good as they as they were, and said that he had sexual encounters with white women. Okay, well I don't believe that. Um, they put Emmett in the back of the truck, drove to a cotton gin to take a 70-pound fan, the only time they admitted to being worried, thinking that by this time in early daylight they would be spotted and accused of stealing, and drove for several miles along the river looking for a place to dispose of Emmett. They shot him by the river and weighted his body with the fan. So, um, Mose, his uncle, stayed on his front porch for 20 minutes waiting for him to return. They, he, he didn't go back to bed. He and another man went into money, got gas, and drove around trying to find Emmett. Unsuccessful, they returned home by 8 a.m. After hearing from Wright, um, his uncle, that he would not call the police because he feared for his life, Curtis Jones, which is the, the cousin, placed a call to the uh, sure, County Sheriff and another to his mother in Chicago. Distraught, he, she called um, Emmett's mother, Mamie Wright. And his wife, Elizabeth, drove to Sumner, where Elizabeth's brother contacted the sheriff. So, all these different cousins and family members were um, calling everyone. Um, I'm sorry. Double time first. I just... I'll never know, because I'm white. But I just... For those people who don't understand, or just think it's... They eye roll at the thought of, like being black or being brown or whatever like oh really it's not any different for them the fuck it isn't the yeah. fuck it isn't mm -hmm. you know the thought that like we could go run into a store because we're in a hurry or it's raining outside and have our hoodie on and put our hood over our head mm -hmm. they can't they yep. can't without being looked at or questioned or you know these people this boy didn't do anything and if he did he whistled he whistled at another human being yeah and gets fucking slaughtered. Yep. Get, are you kidding me? Mm. But yeah. if it was a white boy, that shit wouldn't have happened. That's right. so fucking gross. Ooh, I'm Dude. so. Ugh. Yeah. Sorry. This is when I don't. I'm so sorry for everything that our color has put 
people through in the past and still today. I'm so fucking sorry. It's just, it's a lot. It's, they have like a whole excerpt here from that Look magazine and I'm like, I can't, I don't want to read it because they dropped the N-word in there a whole bunch and I just, I can't. It's So, if anything, I'll uh, link this article that I used for these notes and I'll, you guys can go check it out for yourselves. Usually I don't, sh I don't breeze over things, but yeah, just how many times that word is brought up in there just kind of, I don't like it. Okay. Um, okay. So we, yeah, everybody's contacting the, the sheriffs, the two men, Bryant and Milan Moore ended up being questioned by LaFleur County Sheriff George Smith. They admitted they took the boy from his great uncle's yard, but claimed that, um, they had released him the same night in front of Bryant's door. Uh-huh. Liars. They were arrested for kidnapping. Word got out that Emmett was missing, and soon um, the state field secretary, uh, Medger, Medgar, Medgar Evers, for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, NAACP, and Amzie Moore, who is the head of the Bol Bolivar County chapter, became involved. They disguised themselves as cotton picker pickers and went into the fields um, to search for any information that might help find Emmett. Three days after his abduction and murder, his swollen and disfigured body was found by two boys who were fishing in the Tallahatchie River. His head was badly mutilated. He had been shot above the right ear and, oh God, okay. And he was 14. Yeah. Um, his eye was dislodged from the socket mm -hmm. and there was evidence that he had been beaten on the back and the hips and his body had been weighted down by a fan blade which was fastened around his neck with barbed wire. Um, he was nude but wearing a silver ring with the initials LT and May 25th, 1943 carved in it. Um, I don't know what that is. Okay. Anyways, uh, his face was unrecognizable due to the trauma and having been submerged in water. Um, Mose was called to the river to identify his nephew's body and the silver ring that he was wearing was removed and returned to Mose and next passed on to the district attorney as evidence. Um, so that is, okay. So now we're getting in. So nothing, he did nothing, you guys. He did absolutely nothing. Right. And this was done to him. Yep. So and he's 14. 14. So we're going to get into about the funeral and the, re the reaction to his funeral. And then we'll probably move. Part two is where we'll get into the trial of everything because you're not going to like it. Um, although, okay, so this is the funeral and the reaction and his mom. She's a fucking... I can't even imagine. I could Okay. Anyways, um, so, yeah. Although lynchings and racially motivated murders had occurred throughout the South for decades, the circumstances surrounding Emmett's murder and the time he acted as a catalyst to attract national attention to the case of a 14-year-old boy who had been a... a who had been, oh my god, who had allegedly been killed for breaching a social caste, or caste system? Okay. Um, his murder aroused feelings about segregation, law enforcement, relations between the North and the South, the social status quo in Mississippi, the activities of the NAACP and the White Citizens Councils, and the Cold War, all of which were played out in a drama staged in newspapers all across um, the United States and abroad. The White Citizens what? Councils. Gross. Yep. Ugh. So Fuck after off. Emmett went missing, a three-paragraph story was printed in the Greenwood Commonwealth, which is a paper, and quickly picked up by other Mississippi newspapers. They reported on his death when the body was found the next day when a picture of him his mother had taken the previous Christmas showed them smiling together, appeared in the Jackson Daily News, and <clears throat> Vicksburg Evening Post editorials and letters to the editor were printed expressing shame at the people who had caused his death. One read, quote, Now is the time for every citizen who loves the state of Mississippi to stand up and be counted before hoodlum white trash brings us to destruction. Damn straight. Um, the letter said that... Okay. This isn't that bad. Negroes were not the downfall, downfall of Mississippi society, but whites like those in the white citizens' councils that condone violence. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. I don't really like using that word either, but it's not as aggressive. Um... So his body was clothed, packed in lime, and placed into a pine coffin and prepared for burial. Burial? I always say it wrong. Um, it may have been embalmed while in Mississippi. 
and um, his mom, Mamie, demanded that the body be sent to Chicago, and she later said that she worked to halt an immediate burial in Mississippi and called several local and state authorities in Illinois and Mississippi to make sure her son was returned to Chicago. A doctor did well, not examine him. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. No, no you're fine. Apologize. A doctor did not examine till um, examine Emmett um, post mortem. Um, I don't know why, but um, I'm sure because he's not white. So why would we do anything correctly? Right. Ugh. Mississippi's governor Hugh White deplored the murder. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, deplored the murder, asserting that local authorities should pursue a vigorous prosecution. He sent a telegram to the national offices of the NAACP promising a full investigation and assuring them, quote, Mississippi does not condone such conduct. Okay. Well, good job, White. Yeah, Mr. Hugh. Um, Delta residents, both black and white, also distanced themselves from this murder, finding the circumstances abhorrent. Local newspaper editorials denounced the murders without question. LaFour County... LaFleur County Deputy Sheriff John Cothran stated that, quote, the white people around here feel pretty mad about the way that poor little boy was treated and they won't stand for this. Okay. Soon, however, discourse about his mur- about Emmett's murder became more complex. Uh, Robert Patterson, who's an executive secretary of the Segregationist White Citizens Council, used yeah. Till's death to claim that racial segregation policies were to provide for black safety Right. Okay. Okay. And that we're gonna pick up a child, and we're gonna fucking brutalize him and murder him. But you know, just keep us safe. Fuck off, you stinky white human. <laughs> Ugh. Just, I wasn't prepared for that tangent, and that's why I'm laughing. I'm sorry. No, I'm you're just fine. So mad. I hate that this is. This uh, is America. Yeah. You know, like. Geez. And this really wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. Um, that they're okay. So. Were per- to provide for safety for blacks and that their efforts were being neutralized by the NAACP. In, re- in response, the executive secretary of the NAACP, Roy Wilkins, characterized the incident as a lynching and said that Mississippi was trying to maintain white supremacy mm-hmm. through murder. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fucking obvious. Yep. He said, quote, there, mm-hmm. is, there is in the entire state no restraining influence of decency not in the state capitol, among the daily newspapers, the clergy, nor any segment of this so-called better citizens. Um, Mamie Bradley, his mom, um, told a reporter that she would seek legal aid to help law enforcement ki- find her son's killers and that the state of Mississippi should share the financial responsibility. Yes. She was m- misquoted and it was reported as Mississippi is going to pay for this. Of course they did that. Yeah. Of course. Because, yeah. I'm sure it was a white person who did that too. Yep. Um, so the A.A. Rayner Funeral Home in Chicago received Emmett's body. Upon arrival, um, his uncle insisted on viewing it to make a positive di- identification. Oh, no. Sorry, not his uncle. His his mom. Jesus. It just says last names, and I don't know why I, I put notes like right. that, but it's fine. Um, later stating that the stench from it was noticeable two blocks away, she decided to have an open casket funeral saying there was, quote, there was just no way I could describe what was in that box. No way. And I just wanted the world to see. And we'll have a picture with that and I'll have a warning before um, on our social medias where we post it. But it's brutal. Um, tens of thousands of people lined the street outside the mortuary to view his body. And days later, thousands more attended his funeral at Robert's Temple Church of God in Christ. Like, I don't yeah, yep, 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 yep. Um, photographs of his mutilated corpse circulated around the country, um, ended up in Jet Magazine and the Chicago Defender, both black publications generating intense public reaction. According to the Nation and Newsweek um, uh, magazines, Chicago's black community was, quote, aroused as it had not been over any similar act in recent history. Time later selected one of the jet photographs showing Mamie Till over the mutilated body of her dead son as one of the hundred most influential images of all time. For almost a century, African Americans were lynched with regularity and impunity. I don't know what that means. Now, thanks to a mother's determination to expose the barbarousness of the crime, the public could no longer pretend to ignore what they couldn't see. He was buried on September 6th in Burr Oak Cemetery in Alsip, Illinois. Um, so, news about his uh, murder spread to both coasts. 
Chicago Mayor Richard Daley and Illinois Governor William Stratton also became involved, urging Mississippi Governor White to see the just that justice be done. Um, the tone in Mississippi newspapers changed dramatically. They falsely reported riots in the funeral home in Chicago. Bryant and Milam appeared in photos smiling and wearing military uniforms. And Carolyn, um, Carolyn Bryant's beauty and virtue were extolled. Rumors of an event. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Rumors of an invasion of outraged blacks and northern whites were printed throughout the state, were taken seriously by the LaFleur County Sheriff, T.R.M. Howard, a local businessman, surgeon, and civil rights proponent, and one of the wealthiest blacks in the state, warned of a second civil war if slaughtering of Negro Negroes was allowed. Gosh. Um, <clears throat> following Roy Wilkins' comments, white opinion began to shift. According to historian Stephen Whitfield, a specific brand of xenophobia in the South was particularly strong in Mississippi. Whites were urged to reject the influence of Northern opinion and agitation. This independent attitude was profound enough in Tallahatchie County that it had earned the nickname the Free State of Tallahatchie, according to a former sheriff, because people here do what they damn well please, making the, no, making the county often difficult to govern. So... Whoa. I don't even. I don't even know. I can't. Sorry, babble time. I know. No, you're fine. Um. So the death of of a child. Yes. Right. So this child, you didn't even want this child to go in the first place, but he was persistent. Mama, please, or whatever. You know, I really want to go see my cousins. Yeah. So you get. I'm sure there was a gut feeling, but you feel guilty. You're just like, is this really a gut? Is this really my intuition speaking up right now? I can't. You know, let right. go. You re you you have to reiterate, hey, them white folk fucking suck. You gotta you know kneel and bow and fucking not, but don't look at them and yeah. all whatever, all that grossness. And I will, mama, I will, or whatever, right? Yep. Then your son is fucking murdered, like disgusted. Not murder is never not gross, but like just it's in a very it's aggressive awful, light. right? Just looking at this picture, Oof. and then. Just that strength in that woman. From all that pain that she had to do, the strength. Ugh! Ugh, yeah. I hate it. I mean, good for her, but like... Yeah. Jesus. I mean, I'm so glad it got so much national... What Attention. sounds like at this point. I don't mm -hmm. know more about the story yet, but like... This is so gross. You guys, we're all human. Yep. This is... Mm. What? What's the on? What's the white one? Probably from Papa. There's a little Arlo interlude. Sorry, um. I just, like, it just, and again, I think it's important that we know that this should happen. I think people brush over it not realizing this is what has gone on for black people. What went on to the Jewish people, you know, like, all right. of that. It's like, like, what's been happening with freaking trans people today yeah. and LGBTQ, like, we're, uh, all of it. It's, it's, like, it's like we take a step forward only, and then we take, like, leaps back, and I just, I hurt for you, and I'm... Exactly. I'm, I, I stand with you and for you, and I'm so fucking sorry that possibly my ancestors or whatever, you know, right. like, I just, I hope that none of mine are part of it, but I don't fucking know. I don't, right. I don't know, but I'm I not that person. I know. Breaking the mold, at least in That's, some form or fashion. Yeah, and um, I just ache for yeah, all the shit that... having a biracial yeah. child. Yeah. Like, I've, I remember when the... Uh, George Floyd case when that when that all went down and sitting there and looking at my son and I'm like oh my god I'm gonna have to prepare him for yeah. a, the world yeah and oh there's there's several cases that I follow I follow a lot on um, on Facebook and I know um, I think it's it's Tyler Smith he's a he was a mixed well I, I didn't say child he's he was 25 but he's his his mom is doing everything and anything and I'd, I'd actually reached out to them to cover his case but they were opening it some more and doing more into it but how his death has gone down if you just go look up Tyler Smith on Facebook it's in Illinois too and um, what happened to him is just and this I was only a few years a couple years ago not that long ago oh it's, it's just, just tough it's but, it, it, but I think it's important that we with cases like this that we we this is what happened. Yeah. This is what happened in America, too. Yeah. We're supposed to be this 
Sorry, Zoe's tail is getting buck wild up here. Go, come on. But I, I just, it breaks my heart. And I know it's not just in America, but this happened in America. And, and the shit that's going on here in America, it just, it's the, not right. all of us are disgusting humans. Right. You know, and um, Nicole and I specifically, mm-hmm. we, we have nothing but love for everybody. And um, <clears throat> Jesus, this is just, this is tough. Sorry, I have to babble when it's tough. So yes. continue, sister. Okay. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, so, okay, yeah, we're talking about, um, okay. Anyways, Tallahatchie County Sheriff Clarence Strider, he was, um, who initially positively identified Emmett's body and stated that the case against Milam and Bryant was pretty good. On September 3rd, announced his doubts that the body pulled from the river was actually that of Emmett. What? He speculated that the boy was probably still alive. No. Oh my gosh. Um, Strider suggested that the recovered body had been planted by the NAACP, a corpse (laughs) stolen by TRM Howard, who colluded to place Emmett's ring on it. Wow. Yeah. Strider changed his account after comments were published in the press. Um, I'm denigrating, I guess, the people of Mississippi. Later saying, quote, the last thing I wanted to to do was, was oh my God, to do was to defend those pecker woods, but I, would ha- I just had no choice about it. Okay. So, regardless of that, Bryant and Milam were indicted for murder. The state's prosecuting attorney, Hamilton Caldwell, was not confident that he could get a conviction in a case of white violence against a black male accused of insulting a white woman, which is so sad. Um, A local black paper was surprised at the indictment and praised the decision, as did the New York Times. The high-profile comments published in northern newspapers and by the NAACP were of concern to the prosecuting attorney, Gerald, I'm going to guess, Chatham? 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 Spelled like Chatham. Um, he worried that his office would not be able to secure a guilty verdict. Despite the compelling evidence, having limited funds, Bryant and Milam initially had difficulty finding attorneys to represent them, but five attorneys at the Sumner Law Firm um, offered their services pro bono, of course. Their supporters placed collection jars in stores and other public places in the Delta, eventually gathering $10,000 for the defense. So, I think... That's where we're going to pause, or we'll stop for um, this, because we're in part two. We'll get into the trial. To take a breath, guys. Yeah, that was, this is a lot. And the fact that there's still so much in in today's world that is incredibly... We're We're not where we need to be. No, we're not where we need to be as human beings in general regarding other human beings. Because that's what we are. We're all human beings. It doesn't matter the color. 66 years later, and things are still not that different. Not that. I mean, we may not have segregated, yeah, uh, established facilities, but there's still. It's still fucking. It's 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 like whisper whisper. I think there was just something. I, I shared on Facebook of a it was a little girl who had just started school and I think she was just a little preschooler like my son is and she's she's black and she's gorgeous mm-hmm. but this little other little girl came up to her and told her that her skin was ugly and Ew. disgusting and nasty and dirty and I'm like I was like she's four I'm like I'm like I'm sorry, but who are your parents? Yeah, because like, I mean, that's not right. that you don't you don't you, you don't just say that as a yeah, four year old. You're not born racist. No, nope. that's learned. Not. That's learned. Oof, and uh, fudge. Now I don't remember what. I, oh, gosh, dang it. Oh well, I. But like, yeah, humans, fucking even aliens. Like, why do you think we're not learning that truly there are aliens out there? We can't even we can't even get along with people who are the same fucking species. Yeah. Ugh. I'm so, I'm so, I'm grateful for the, I know there are good people out there. I know that. Absolutely. I mean, because we are some of them. Right. And we hang out with some good Mm -hmm. people and we are around good people and our listeners, I'm sure are good people. I mean, we like murder, whatever. Not this kind of murder. (laughs) We enjoy hearing about murder, but when it's just like this intense and then just this, this controversial, it's just, it's... It just sucks because it's still around. There's still fucking... There's still the KKK. Like, are you kidding me? 
This is 2021. Like gross. Go yeah. fucking wash your stupid sheets and 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 fucking put them on a bed. Yeah. And that's all you need to do with them. Like yep. don't grow you just I don't have mm, Okay. So next week we're going to get to the trial. <laughs> we're going to talk about the trial. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry it's going to be a week apart, but we're not ready for double double whammy weeks nope. like we used to do mm-hmm. when we have multi-parters but this will just be a two-parter so yes um, uh, you guys know where to find us on social media um, we really 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 want to do another buddy babbles so if you've got stories please 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 send them to us email them uh, it's at gmail bloody babbles podcast uh, slide into our DMs on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter um, uh, fantasy and world music does our intro sound um we are not okay, but we love you guys. <laughs> we do. So much, Babylonians. Yes. We, we appreciate you sticking with us and, and telling people about us. Yes. Write us a review, please. Yes, that rate helps and review. Um, Apple Podcast is great. Podchaser.com slash Bloody Babbles Podcast. Anything, anything that gets our numbers going up or moving in charts. Like, like I said a few times in the past, we're ranked in a few different countries, which is just blows you know, my brain but apart. Not fucking Wyoming. No, nope. <laughs> nope. I checked it right before we did it. <laughs> and if you were listening in Wyoming and it's just not registering, can you just like let us know so we can stop being liner faces about this? Well, it's funny. I mentioned the weekly variety in the beginning of this and they still haven't got Alaska. So that's and weird. I'm like, so it's like maybe it's a glitch in the in, matrix in anchor, um, <laughs> not working. But Wyoming, I'm still coming for you because yes. it's told me about new countries when we've got, we haven't gotten any new ones while while I was on um, starting maternity leave and giving birth and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no new countries as of right now. But but it's told me when we've got new countries and it's just like Wyoming's like nah, son. Yeah, come on, nah. Wyoming. We, we need just, you. We, just we need, need you. you. And you need to tell us how much this one messed you up, because it messed us up pretty well. Oh my gosh. And part two is probably not going to be much better, because I've already read some of the outcome, and it's not great. So, here we go. Let's Prepare yourselves for yeah. next week. Oh, and there's a baby crying, so and perfect until time. until then, Babylon. Hello, Twisted Humans. This is the podcast where two best friends chat true crime and have a glass or two of wine. I'm Alicia. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Twisted and Uncorked. So join us every week for Casual Tuesdays where we release a new episode. We are now available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Rate, review, and subscribe. Cheers. Cheers.